0: what is my magic sauce that I'm bringing to the world and oftentimes it's the things that we're the most ashamed about that are the things that really set us apart
1: hi I am Mission Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley the school for Human transformation you're listening to the Mind Valley podcast where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind body spirit and work. Welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. With me today is Sahara Rose. And what you're about to experience is, is a truly remarkable mind. Deepak Chopra said this about Sahara. He said she is a leading voice for the millennial generation into a new paradigm shift. So Sahara Rose runs the Highest Self podcast. It's the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes with over 16 million downloads. She's the founder of Rose Gold Goddesses, a sacred sisterhood collective about embodying the goddess within with over 2,000 worldwide members. She's been a keynote speaker at Google and Facebook, as well as being featured as a nutritional speaker for Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign. At Harvard Medical School and in Vogue, Forbes, NBC, and more. And today we're going to be discussing the concept of Dharma with Sahara Rose. So, Sahara, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast.
0: Uh, thank you so much for having me here, Vishen. You are such an inspiration and expander for so many people, including myself, on embodying our Dharma. So, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today.
1: So before we begin Sahara, a quick note to all of you who might be new to the Mind Valley podcast. So we record our podcast in a slightly unusual way. These recordings are done live. With us right now, we have between 3 to 400 Mind Valley all access students on the set with us and by set what I mean is Zoom and they interact with Sahara, they pop questions and they help they help create a buzz and excitement sort of a, a real world vibe for this podcast. So I'm going to be putting Sahara on stage so she can answer the questions on Dharma. She can take you on this journey in understanding Dharma and Ayurveda. But at the same time, I'm also going to spend some time answering questions from our live audience. And often this is where some of the most meaningful questions come from. So stay tuned. And if you ever want to attend our podcast live, consider becoming a Mind Valley All Access member, which means that everything Mindvalley is unlocked for you, including the Mindvalley app and our new digital campus, Connections by Mindvalley. You get invited to live talks, such as this conversation with Sahara, and you completely transform your life. I believe Mindvalley All Access is the single most valuable product you can invest your money on on planet Earth today. And people who take part in this understand why, because of the radical transformation that it creates. Now, you can learn more by going to mindvalley.com forward slash now, N-O-W, mindvalley.com forward slash now. And now let's get started with Sahara Rose. Sahara, welcome. So, you know, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started down this path?
0: Yeah, so I think that every healer first needed the healing themselves, and that definitely is what happened for me. When I was around 21 years old, my body began shutting down. So it began with digestive issues that trickled into bone density issues, and essentially my body went into perimenopause when I was 21 years old. So doctors told me I would never be able to have children. My body was completely shutting down. I had all sorts of issues from insomnia to IBS, et cetera. And doctors just kept prescribing me more and more medications. And at one point I was on everything from antidepressants to digestive pills and and so much more progesterone hormone. And I knew intuitively that something was off with that, that there was a deeper underlying reason why my body was out of balance. So I decided to do some research and go as deep as I could into especially ancient healing sciences because they were so tried and true in their modalities. So I had obviously heard of Ayurveda growing up, but I never really took it seriously. I don't know what your relationship was. I was like, yeah, my grandma talks about it sometimes, but no, not, not for me. I actually, at that point in time, I was doing a lot of nonprofit work and I was in Delhi teaching health and sanitation in the slums right outside of Delhi. And I decided to sign up for an Ayurveda course and from going back and learning about one of these archetypes they break down your your health into these three main archetypes and reading about this one which is the air energy it had all of my symptoms but also aspects of my personality creative idealistic think outside the box visionary loves to travel and all of the physical health symptoms that i had so i found it very unusual because For the first time, I found something that described the whole me. So I became fascinated with Ayurveda. I spent the next two years in India studying Ayurveda and went on to write several Ayurveda books, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, Eat, Feel Fresh, My Yoga Ka, and just learning everything I could with Ayurveda and bringing it into this modern world that we live in that we don't have time to, for example, do all of the self-care practices and cook all of our foods from scratch and do all of these you know, really beautiful practices. And also how can they be hand in hand with today's lifestyle? So that journey brought me very, very deep into physical health. But as we know, when you take care of one aspect of your body, it trickles into everything else. And from doing that, I was Understanding myself at a deeper level than I ever had before. And it was giving me more strength and courage to embody who I was within. So suddenly my interests begin to further and further shift into knowing my truth, knowing who I was. And all of the gifts of that archetype, that Vata, the air energy, which we'll chat about more, began to show up for me in a bigger way that I wanted to expand that out to the world. So You know, whether someone starts with drinking green juice or exercising, it kind of all takes us back to the same place, which is understanding the truth of who we are. And that brought me really to the concept of Dharma. And what I found is that we could use these Ayurvedic archetypes to help us not only get in balance with our nutrition, exercise, self-care, meditation, but also to understand our purposes here on the planet. So since then, I have been teaching about it. I have my book, Discover Your Dharma, also with Forward by Deepak Chopra.
1: I think we need to run some definitions here. Yeah. Because I admit, what you're talking about, I've never studied Ayurveda. And I know a lot of people listening to the podcasts, Mind Valley covers such a wide area of personal growth, right? 60% of the people listening to this podcast tend to be people who are managers, leaders, CEOs. They may not be as deep into Eastern spirituality as you are. And I think we may need to define two things. First, what is Ayurveda? And second, what is Dharma? Let's start with Ayurveda.
0: Yeah, for sure. So Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system, and it's the sister science of yoga based on the mind-body connection. So most of the time when we think about yoga, we think about physical practices, exercising, and Ayurveda was really the science that was meant to always go hand in hand, balancing your body, your mind, all of the lifestyle practices that are related to, again, living your truth. The word yoga means to yoke, and the word Ayurveda means the science of life. So they were always meant to go hand in hand in this yogic life a yogic lifestyle. What it really means is to live a life that's in discipline with understanding your soul. So then the word Dharma has over 16 definitions in Sanskrit, but the most common one and the one that we'll be speaking to is your purpose so dharma is the purpose that in vedic spirituality we would say that each of us were born with each of us chose which feels like how, how would i choose this but we all chose a purpose to come into this planet with as we would say in vedic spirituality because we all needed to fulfill these specific aspects that the world needed to come into balance, whether it's to bring beauty to the world or to create deeper connections or to create solutions to people's specific problems or whatever it is. So when I say dharma, just think purpose. When I say Ayurveda, just think a science of life.
1: Got it. Got it. So in this conversation, because of the limited time we have, we're going to focus specifically on dharma. So you don't have to worry too much about Ayurveda if you want you to do it. Feel free to Google it if you want. But I know what happens, right? When we have a conversation like this, when you suddenly speak so passionately about Ayurveda, it starts like going around in people's heads and then they can't shift their focus to Dharma, which is what we are really here to talk about. So just so we can close that open loop in people's heads, explain a little bit more about Ayurveda, no more than five minutes, and then let's shut that loop. We can maybe have a future conversation of it. And then let's shift to what we are meant to be speaking about, dharma.
0: Yeah. Well, I really see them as interconnected. And, you know, one brought me to the next. So with Ayurveda, there are three main archetypes. Consider them based on the elements. So air, fire, and earth. So someone that has an air archetype, you know, just like we would say, oh, that person is super airy. We could have an idea, you know, maybe they are coming up with a lot of ideas. They're creative. They're maybe bouncing off between a lot of different things. We could also say they're spacey, right? So we have these ideas of what an airy person is like. So what that would be physically is symptoms of air, but what that would be like in relation to your purpose is you're someone who's constantly in a way coming up with new ideas. You're that ideas person.
1: Ayurveda classifies souls within certain patterns, right? Yes. And then each of these patterns have a particular Dharma, which is a purpose, which is the act of living, your life in alignment with your spiritual purpose. Would that be correct?
0: Exactly. And we're all a combination of all three, but in varying amounts. So as I speak about them, you'll find, okay, sometimes I feel like a really creative person, but not all the time. So we all have aspects of all three, just like we have aspects of all archetypes, all astrological signs. But some of us were born really potently with one type of archetype, whereas for others, it may feel a little bit more equal and balanced between all three.
1: I see. And I've also heard people speak about Ayurvedic medicine. I've seen Ayurvedic oils. Explain what Ayurveda means in that context.
0: Yeah, so underneath Ayurveda, underneath the science of life, there are so many different forms of self-care practices you can do. So Ayurvedic nutrition is one entirely its own modality. Ayurvedic spa treatments, clinical treatments, panchakarma, that's its own modality. Ayurvedic beauty, that's its own modality. And then Ayurvedic spirituality, which is what I speak more into, is its own, but it all comes down into this one umbrella and all looks at these three archetypes these three doshas in the same way.
1: I see, got it. Thank you, thank you. Now, dosha, what is a dosha? That's another word we have to understand.
0: Yes, all the Sanskrit terminology today. So the word dosha means energy. It is an energy type, an archetype. So again, they're based off of the natural elements, but when you hear dosha, archetype, think of them as the same.
1: Got it, dosha and archetype. So when we speak about someone's dosha, we're talking about their archetype. And as you said, there are three archetypes in Ayurveda.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Could you tell us the three archetypes?
0: Yes. So the first one is considered Vata, which is mostly air energy. So Mm -hmm. again, creative, think outside the box. We say in our English language, a space cadet, airy fairy, we kind of have this negative terminology, but we could also imagine that person to be like, you know, constantly thinking of what's next. Maybe they're a bit of a a trendsetter, they're artistic. So that's really what that Vata energy looks like. And it's the energy of creation, ideation. Then we have the Pitta energy, which is fire. So that is someone who just like the Fire, a fiery person. They are sharp. They are goal oriented. They go for exactly what they want. You have a lot of pitta, for example. You know, like, let's say if they're going for a walk, they want to know where am I walking to and (laughs) when are we going to come back? What's the time frame? So, they're someone that has a very organized mind. They are really disciplined people. And for them, having systems and tools that can be repeated and grown is very important to them. So a lot of managers, I'm sure a lot of people on this call right now have a lot of that fire element. And that is something that you were born to share. You were meant to create systems and bring solutions to this world in this more formulaic way and also bring it to balance with your vata, your air energy too. So sometimes letting yourself dream big, even though you don't have the step-by-step solution on how to bring it forth, but using that natural fire that you were born with to bring it into action. So I like to think of pitta, fire, the energy of execution. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Kafa, yes, the last one is the earth energy. So we think of, you know, an earth mama, someone who's very grounded. So they're someone who really cares about connection. They can really drop in one-on-one with people, feel them. So for example, Lisa Nichols has a lot of this energy. Oprah has a lot of this energy. Eckhart Toll. They are people who can sit with you and really listen and dive deep and find the nuances of how you're feeling because they have so much stability and anchoring and groundedness in. Their beings, which almost pulls from you because it makes you feel so safe. So, we all have all three of these the air, the fire, and the earth, but in varying amounts.
1: I see. Beautiful. Thank you for explaining that. And so, Ayurvedic medicine, Ayurvedic food is the act of putting the right alternative medicine or the right, you know, massage oils or the right type of treatments based on your vata, pitta, or kapha energy archetype. Mm-hmm. So, now, let's get started with dharma now that we've understood that tell us about dharma
0: Yeah, so your Dharma is your purpose. It's the big reason why you are here. And just as we know that everything in nature is whole and has reasoning behind it, we can trust that we too are part of nature and that we were born on this planet, not accidentally, but because we have an important gift that we are meant to share. So, so many of us, though 2020 has been incredibly challenging, are also at this time in this moment of transition. I feel like the dust is kind of rising from the rug and we're all sort of finding our parts in it right now. So maybe a lot of people are questioning, do I want to go back to this job? Do I want to go back to this career, this way of being, this home, this city? And how can i live more in alignment with my truth so your dharma is understanding first who you are and then taking aligned action in accordance so it's a bit different than just your career it's not so much about finding your job the difference between your dharma and your career is i like to think of dharma like the company's mission statement right so your mission statement could be to bring art and beauty to this planet or to raise consciousness or whatever it is so that's the mission statement that's the Underlying red thread that will always be there. Now, your services, your offerings, that's like the different career roles you could play, the jobs, the projects you could work with. So, for example, a lot of us, you know, we kind of kick ourselves and we say, I don't have a purpose because I keep changing my mind. So, I must not have a, a clearly defined purpose. So, let's say you are someone that your dharma is to bring beauty to this world. So, you may have been a graphic designer at some point, and then maybe that transitioned into being an interior designer, and maybe you were a hairstylist, and you may be, again, kicking yourself. Why do I keep changing my mind? But really, the dharma was always the same, but there were different modalities to bring it to life. So, to raise consciousness, you could write, you could coach, you could speak, you could teach. There are so many different ways that you could do it, but the dharma is the why that will always be there throughout your life. Hmm.
1: I see. So one of the questions we wanted to pursue today is to talk about what's going on in 2020. It's caused transitions for so many people. How can we utilize this moment to align our careers with our dharma?
0: Mm, So I would really, for anyone in a transitionary moment to take this opportunity right now, because in a way it's a gift. You know, It's not every year that we get to spend all of this time introspectively at home, really asking ourselves who we are. So I would take this time to really ask yourself, what are the natural gifts that I was born with and what are the modalities that I'm best in offering them? So for example, let's say you are wonderful at you know, helping people with their relationship problems. But you've noticed that when you're in conversation coaching for a really long time, it really drains you out. So what modalities does it want to come out? Maybe you feel like you could write for a really long time and it's something you want to do more of. So how can I pair that modality with that interest? I always say that excitement are like breadcrumbs that are guiding you towards your dharma. So you'll always see like a year before you actually stepped into something, that excitement. It was like that thing you wanted to Google in your free time or that book you want to read or that thing you kept bringing up into conversation. And that's because it was in that, again, that Vata stage. It hasn't really come forth yet. It's the seed underneath the dirt. So if we water it, we nurture it, it can come out. And it doesn't mean that every single idea we have has to become a career. I think in especially an entrepreneurial community, it could be very like, have an idea monetize it, like bring it to bring it to the world. And it doesn't have to be this way, but you could be learning about a modality and maybe it infuses what you do right now, or maybe it's 10 years from now, but it's really important to follow those interests, see them as nudges coming from the divine. And then notice where does this red thread take me? In Vedic spirituality, we like to say Kriya, which means flow we speak about flow so much. And it really is so important because if you think about flow as the universe guiding you in the direction of your dharma, your purpose, then you realize that the synchronicities you experience, the meaningful conversations, meeting the right person at the right time, which takes you to the next place. Well, that's actually happening for you because if the universe wants to become whole, it wants everyone to be living their purpose, then of course, it's going to be propelling you in the direction of your dharma. So those are the experiences that you almost feel like I'm a little bit like seated back and the universe has sort of taken the wheels and is taking me to destinations that, you know, you're still taking the action towards, but you couldn't have done on your own. And this is a sign that you're falling into that Kriya, that flow.
1: I see. I see. So is there a way we can accelerate our movement towards this Dharma?
0: Mm, Yes, definitely. Well, The more aligned you are with yourself, the more you know yourself, the more your dharma will naturally emanate from your life because it's who you are. So your dharma is not so much about what you do, but how you do it. So two people could, again, write a book. They could give the exact same talk, do the exact same hairstyling, whatever it is, but it's how they do it. So it's super important to take as much time as you can to realize what is my differentiating factor? What is my like magic sauce that I'm bringing to the world? And oftentimes it's the things that we're the most ashamed about that are the things that really set us apart. So let's say, for example, like I love to dance. It's something that I was like, how is that going to fit in with like Ayurveda and Dharma? Like it feels so unrelated. So I never really showed that side of me. And then, slowly, the more and more I showed that side of me that loves to dance. I love to DJ. I love to like be in the vibration of music. And the more I brought that to the table, even though it was the thing I had the most shame around, the more my people, it doesn't mean all people, but my people began to connect with me because it kind of shows people that you're not just this one thing. I think humans don't want to connect with like a perfect brand. They want to connect with another imperfect human. So think about that thing if you're not really sure what your differentiating factor. What are you the most ashamed about? What is that weird quirk you have or that random interest? And how can you bring that to the table?
1: That is so interesting. A weird quirk a weird interest to bring that to the table. I'd love to hear your story around this. And for those of you who are watching, I'd love for you to identify if you have a story. When I joined the University of Michigan, I signed up for an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering and computer science. But I found I was never really into computers. What I was really into was photography. And so I would spend all my time just like really obsessing about this one class I had on photography. And I would like skip homework and skip lectures on computer science. And I felt like I was kind of screwing up my college credits and my college GPA. I barely graduated because I spent so much time obsessed. I was supposed to be an engineer, but I spent so much time obsessed with art, obsessed with photography, obsessed with performing arts and short drama and theater. It was only... Ten years later, when I graduated and I started Valley, that I realized that indirectly what I was ashamed of, I was ashamed of skipping computer engineering classes to learn to be an actor, to learn photography, because in my culture, that was considered useless. If you grew up in an Indian immigrant family, you know, it's all about earning money because immigrants need to survive. You know, it's a culture that emphasizes hard work. So I felt ashamed of it. But it was only 10 years later when Mind Valley was founded that I realized that I was following my Dharma. If you go to the Mind Valley website, you'll notice our obsession with photography, right? Like all the teachers you see on Mind Valley, it's original photography. You'll see that obsession with art, with design everywhere. And as for performing arts, it's what allowed me to become a speaker. It's what allowed me to be on camera with you right now and not mess up my words, you know, to be able to flow directly. And so I realized that I was following my Dharma, but you are right. I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed because I felt I wasn't being true to my parents who were paying for my university degree. And they wanted me to be an engineer. So I wondered did you experience something like this in your life?
0: Oh, God, a story of my life. Yes. You know, I also come from an immigrant background. So so much pressure on, of course, making money and, and getting married and like doing the right things that you're supposed to do to survive. And what actually really helps me understand is, is Maslow's hierarchy, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. But And Maslow's hierarchy is actually really related to the chakra system. You could look at that in spirituality, which is the system of balancing the energies, the circles of energy within the spine. But I'll speak more into Maslow's hierarchy because it's more familiar with people. So At the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy is just having your most basic needs met, your survival needs. So that's going to be your focus. And once you've reached those survival needs, then you'll go towards, okay, what could I want? Maybe a big car, an SUV, whatever it is. And then from there... Only once you've gotten essentially the things that you want, you need, then you start to reach towards self-actualization, which are really these types of conversations. So a lot of times when we have immigrant parents or ourselves went through our own journey of survival, it can be hard for us to take those risks, to do those things that are kind of reaching for self-actualization because our entire existences have been so focused on survival. So when we see someone else doing that, we're actually shaming them out of fear that they may not be be able to survive it's our fear of well vision may end up homeless he may end up a starving artist we don't sure. want that to happen for him we don't know the modalities to use so maybe if we guilt him enough then he'll stop doing it so definitely the same experience for myself with my family and I believe that our soul in a way chose these obstacles to give us the strength we needed to embody our Dharma. So you might've been born with your purpose, but you weren't born with the embodiment to be able to bring it out to the world. So you needed those obstacles. You needed to be so certain of yourself that even when your own parents were questioning you, maybe even wanting to disown you, which is what happened for me. At that moment, can you still love yourself and honor yourself enough to continue with your dharma? And if you're able to cultivate that strength in like the own grounds of your own home and family, the very people you were conditioned to impress, then if a hater says something to you online or someone writes a bad review, it doesn't matter because you're like, yo, I dealt with my own family not wanting me to do this and I was able to overcome. So we needed those obstacles to cultivate that strength to be able to embody it further.
1: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So a key lesson over here, guys, is that sometimes something that you truly love, but you feel guilty, you feel guilty for being obsessed about it, that might be a sign that that could be part of your dharma. Would you say, Sahara?
0: Absolutely. I would say that that is an instrumental part of it. And finding how to bring that into your Dharma is going to be the factor that, you know, a lot of times we're struggling. I've been coaching for a long time. It's not picking up. I've been putting things on social media. I don't know why it's not picking up. Have you brought in that it factor, that thing that maybe you love anime. Maybe you love to do, you know, craft on the weekends and you're like, people won't take me seriously.
1: So so how do we use Ayurveda to discover our Dharma?
0: So looking at those archetypes. So we spoke about those archetypes of what they mean as a person, the creative, the executionary person, the more one-on-one, but we could also look at it as a compass, a guide of our energy that's always moving towards our dharma. So I like to think of our energy like a channel, right? We're taking ideas from the cosmos. By the way, in Vedic spirituality, you would say that you don't come up with the idea. The idea chooses you. So you're opening yourself up to receive the idea through the vata. Now, from that, receiving the idea, you're thinking about it. Should I act on this? Should 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 I not? Then finally, you're getting excited enough about it that you take the action. Now, from that vata, the air energy, we've moved into the fire. Now, this is the ass to the grass, take action, get shit done. Like, I think a lot of spiritual people, and I could speak in the spiritual community, feel resistant to this thing. You know, you want it to flow and be super easy, but it's taking that idea and like bringing it to form because we do live on a physical planet. So, we need to take grounded action on this plane to make things happen. So, it's how do I create a business plan around it? How do I cultivate a team or a community, sign up for the right courses, actually invest in myself to make this happen. So that's all through that energy of the pitta, the fire, and you're actually feeling really charged up during this. And then from that state, a lot of us remain there for too long. So a lot of people who are like hardcore entrepreneurs in the managerial fields can really remain in the pitta. And what happens with the fire is it burns out you know, that's when you just get exhausted. You feel like a hamster going through wheels again and again, and you're not able to see clearly. You're coming up with the same exact solutions, but you're needing to see things from a broader perspective. So most people would say, well, then I need to come up with more ideas. I need to move back into the Vata stage. And that's not actually how we go. We go down further into the Kapha, into the earth. And that's Mm -hmm. the rest. That's the reevaluation. That's the grounding. And we can observe that oftentimes we have our best ideas when we are taking a walk or we're in the shower, or we're doing the dishes, or we're doing something unrelated because we finally gave ourselves a chance to not be actively dictating what our minds are processing and allow ourselves to be open to receive what was waiting for us to come through. So from that pitta, that executionary stage, move into the kafa, the rest, the nurture, which can be really challenging for a lot of people. Go to nature, take a walk, Unplug, I know you guys have so many incredible conferences and experiences for people to do that. And then naturally, without even trying the vata happens, the idea happens and you enter the cycle again. So it's not so much about, oh, I just want to come up with a business and it's done. Even within a business, you're going to go through this process, through everything. Life is moving through this process. The seasons are moving through this process. So I like to think of it like a compass. What stage am I on? Am I in the idea stage, the execution stage? Maybe you've even been resting for too long. And how can I move into that next dosha?
1: Beautiful. I love how you explained it in a way where you need each of these three doshas. That's what they're called, right? Doshas. Do me a favor. How do I define dosha? If somebody asks me what that means, what's the standard definition for it? Energy. A dosha is an energy. And then the dharma is like your life purpose or what you're here to do, what you're meant to do.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: Okay. That's so, so, so intriguing. I know a lot of that comes from Indian culture I am Indian by ethnicity. I'm like 100% Indian. And I guess one of the things that happens is sometimes we overlook our own culture. And that could be why I'm so not aware of Ayurveda or Dharma or dosha. This is new to me. I understand some of the Western definitions of it. But when you bring in the Indian definition, surprisingly, as someone of Indian origin, I don't know it. It's so interesting. i got to pick up a book and i got to go deeper in this.
0: Well, I think your soul knew it and it called in this experience to remember.
1: (laughs) So I want to ask you a question. So this question is from one of the attendees. She asked that we do not share her name. So we want to respect her anonymity. And this is what she said. She said, Dear Sahara Ambition, I'm in my 40s and I still don't know what my life's purpose is. I would appreciate any advice to help me find my path.
0: Mm, Yeah, beautifully said. So I would write on a piece of paper what are all of the interests that you have, even if they feel random, unrelated, etc.? So for example, a lot of women particularly feel, I must not have a Dharma because I've only had kids, as if kids is not literally raising the next generation of humans on this planet. So a lot of people do even find their Dharma in motherhood in itself. So include that on the list, write down all of your interests, and then write down maybe different jobs you've had, roles you've played etc and see if you can kind of link any together you know maybe that role that you played in human resources that was related to your interest in human connection okay how can i cultivate more of that okay i can see here I was a counselor. I was this. I was that. So we can see all of these different maybe random jobs were all tied together with that same interest and are all under also that same dosha, that earth element, the kapha element. So I would just have it all out on a piece of paper and then just notice the red threads. And if you still feel like I'm really confused on this, I would go to meditation. And in your meditation and just a state of stillness, just let yourself answer this question. I am here to... And just keep repeating that, I'm here to, and see what shows up. Maybe at the beginning, I'm here to live, but then what's under that? I'm here to create. I'm here to just let your mind just keep answering that question from a state of openness. And I promise if you keep doing that for about 21 days, you'll find a lot of answers.
1: Wow. That's a beautiful technique. And I know our community loves it when you give them a tool or a technique. Let's go a little bit deeper how would we run this technique? Do we do it when we are meditating? Do we do it with a journal?
0: Mm -hmm. So there are even more questions that you can ask yourself. I could write them down for you. They're in my book, and you could even email them to everyone, the full process and the instructions. But essentially, you'll come to a space of meditation, breathing, whatever meditative practices you like to do. And from the space of openness, just bring this, I'm here to. And another sentence you could add on is, I love to i'm called to i yearn to whatever's coming to mind with these completions you'll be surprised because oftentimes we really like to dictate with our egoic mind of like well this is what makes money this is what makes sense so you should be doing this thing but meditation really gives us a beautiful time to be in a more centered place where the egoic mind is less active and underneath that i love to Care, I love to come up with ideas, whatever that is. Keep following that. I love to come up with ideas because you know, and keep letting yourself answer the questions.
1: Amazing. And you mentioned these are in your book. Now, I know you have four books out, so yes. I just want to give you the names of Sahara's books yeah, for those of you who want to check it out. There's Discover Your Dharma, there's a Yogic Park reflective journal, there's Ayurveda, and there's Eat Feel Fresh. So which book would we find this one in?
0: This would be in Discover Your Dharma.
1: I love that cover. That's beautiful. And it's a forward by Deepak Chopra. That's incredible. That says a lot about you. So you you can discover that in Sahara's book, Discover Your Dharma. It's available on Amazon and it says it's out in 2021. Is it out already or do we have to wait a year?
0: It's going to be out in about two and a half months. So it's available on pre-order. And when you pre-order it, I send you meditations and all sorts of things, workshops, Amazing. experiences, 10-day audio course. So in the 10-day audio course, I actually guide you step-by-step through a process to discover your dharma.
1: Amazing. And what is the website where people can pre-order the book and get your meditations?
0: Yeah, it's just on my own website on iamsaharrose.com You'll find it right there.
1: I am sahararose.com. So, audience, make a note of that. I am sahararose.com. And that meditation, that series of questions you mentioned, is that one of the meditations that is available?
0: Yes, I have a meditation. I have a 10 day audio course on how to discover your Dharma, where every single day I give you prompts. And then I also have a series of meditations written in the book.
1: Thank you, Sahara. That's very generous of you. Yeah. So, I love that exercise you gave. Here's the next question. What can you do if your family is not supportive of your path?
0: Mm, Yeah. So, you know, again, this was definitely my experience and for so many people. And I think the first thing is to remind ourselves why oftentimes people you know they might genuinely be afraid or they may have never explored their dharma for themselves so they might not think it's possible right so we all have that like random uncle who tried to become a rock star and it didn't work out and he's like don't follow your dreams it's never going to work out you know so that's why it's important especially when you're on this journey at the beginning of discovering your dharma be careful who you're sharing and seeking advice from because some people who have felt very jaded by trying to find their dharma and quitting and by the way the only way that you you wouldn't find your dharma's if you give up. If you continue, you 100% will find your dharma. But oftentimes we ask people who ended up quitting because it didn't work out for them in that first iteration. So then our dharma in that very primal phase is still like a baby egg, right? You have to take care of it. So that's why it's important to really only ask for advice from people you feel really safe with. So when family members are not supportive of your path, most of the time they, again, are reflecting their own fear that they have not been able to find their dharma or they're so afraid that you are going to go on this quest that they've never seen happen for anyone else before and it's going to be risky. So we're kind of living in this interesting shift, whereas before it was almost like a bet. You could either make it or not. There was one corner office. Who is going to get it? And we live in this really beautiful time now with the internet, with the rise of technology, that there are so many different possibilities. So oftentimes our parents come from a very different generation that they just don't know what's possible. So they may be sharing their unknowingly limiting beliefs upon us. And if we harbor those on, on our own, then we're not doing our role here to break generational bonds. We're actually just repeating the same limiting beliefs that came from that generation. So if they are actively trying to withhold you from doing your Dharma or you know using tactics or verbal abuse then I would just not communicate with them on that respect I would not be like hey I'm trying this new online business they're not the people to go to go to your mind Valley network go to someone else for that but if they are curious but they're just a little bit apprehensive the invitation is to help them discover their Dharma too because most of the time they've never gotten the opportunity to question themselves who am I how am I here to serve oftentimes because for women their role their responsibility responsibility was to take care of children. For men, it was to provide monetarily at any means possible. So ask them, what have you always been interested in studying? What are your curiosities? What are your interests? And then the more and more that they get to understand themselves, the more they're going to naturally be supportive of you doing the same.
1: Now, Romy asked this question, isn't Adharma destined for us?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting because there's a balance of destiny and free will so it's not that you were born with this dharma no matter what you do you're going to get there that's not the case at all you were born with a unique vibration you know vibration energy that you carry out into the world however life has a series of obstacles that you get to overcome. And if you overcome them, you gain the tools, the strength to embody the Dharma. But if you choose to steer away from them, you choose to ignore them, or you choose to see it as how most of the world does, life's tough, get a helmet, just live with it. Well, then you're never going to be able to cultivate that strength to embody your Dharma. So yes, it's inside of you, but it's not inevitable that you will actually follow the actionable steps and the guidance that you are receiving, but oftentimes can be difficult. I think what confuses people is in spirituality, we always hear, follow the path of least resistance. And sometimes in living your dharma, it might feel like the thing you're the most resistant to at this moment. On the greater scheme, it's the path of least resistance because it's the path that's in alignment with your dharma. But when you've taken a series of actions for many, many years that have taken you off course, you might feel very, very resistant to meditation, to understanding yourself, to creating these changes in your life. So it doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes people use this take of path of least resistance to become docile, to say, well, I'm here. So I might as well just accept it and using these same tools. And that's not really what it's about. I like to think of it as you're on a beach, you're on the sand and your Dharma is in the free open waters, right? So you're going to have to get through the waves and sometimes you're going to have to dodge under them. Sometimes they might bring you completely back to the, beach and you're starting at ground one again. I know that happened with you. And you you go through the waves. And each time you go through them, you become more skillful. You learn how to maneuver through them. And then they're less scary. And then you're out there in these open waters. And then it becomes so easy for you to go back to the beach and help other people find their way through. So I believe that underneath it all, all of our dharmas is here to help other people find their dharmas too. And just by embodying that, you also show people that it's possible.
1: And can someone have multiple dharmas?
0: Absolutely. So we can have multiple expressions of what our Dharma is. That mission statement is the same, but the expression of it can vary. So different archetypes may show up for you at different times of your life. So for example, let's say you are a mother or a parent, that nurturing, that kapha, that earth energy is going to show up for you because you're literally taking care of another human. So that's probably going to show up in other areas of your life too. Maybe you're thinking about ways to take care of all children in the world. I know you guys, I started a whole parenting aspect of Mind Valley, So that's showing up for you because it's a role that you're playing in this time, but then maybe your kids go off to college and this entirely new iteration of who you are shows up. So different aspects of your life, different chapters of your life will bring about different expressions of your dharma, but that underlying truth and that vibration lives throughout it.
1: Beautiful. Now, how can someone find out if we are living in alignment with our Dharma or out of alignment.
0: Yes, so I like to think of dharma as the end of a highway. We were all born on this highway of life, and dharma is that end of the highway. So when we're living in alignment with our dharma, it feels like we're on cruise control. You know, you can kind of just like feel this feeling of feeling supported again. That synchronicities, meeting the right people at the right time. You're cruising down the path with a bit of ease and grace and fluidity. Again, there are challenges, but for the most part, you're feeling that support. So that's kriya, and that's how we know we're living in alignment with our dharma. We're feeling that natural propelling. Now, oftentimes we get, you know, way We see the exit signs on the side of the highway. They might say become a real estate agent. You'll make a lot of money. You don't like it, but you'll make a lot of money. Or your parents will be really mad at you if you do that. So come over here and get married or you know whatever it is. So then we're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll peer over this exit. A lot of people are going down this exit. This exit seems to make sense. I don't even know what's at the end of this highway. It's too risky for me to go down the end of this highway. So let me just get off this exit where it's safe and comfortable and I see everyone else is going. So from that, getting off the highway, that's when we begin to experience the barricades at the side of the highway. So we've all heard the word karma. So in Sanskrit, karma has many different meanings, but we also like to think of it as bounded action by the universe, right? Bounded action. So those barricades on the highway. So what it feels like in our actual lives is it feels like first a poke. Something feels off. You're feeling a little bit anxious about your decision. You're not feeling complete excitement over it. You're hesitating, but you're still doing it anyway. Most of the time we don't listen. (laughs) And then the poke turns into a punch, punch punch and that's you know bigger situations showing up problems arising these are more obvious reasons that we should be shifting gears getting back onto dharma highway but again a lot of the time we don't listen and then eventually that punch 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 will get stronger until it can turn into a collision that can feel like a breakdown that can feel like suicidal ideation that can feel like so many very deep dark corners that we can turn For some people, that's what it takes to move towards their dharma. For people like Eckhart Tolle, you know, some people with very powerful purposes, they needed to get to that point. People need different levels of breakdown to make that shift. Some people still never do. It's not inevitable. Some people continue to live from that state. So if you can notice, am I feeling that synchronicities, the flow, the Kriya, or am I feeling the karma, the blocks that every day feels like a drag? And then how can I make one decision every single day to bring me back towards flow?
1: Beautiful. I love that. How can I make one decision every day to bring me back towards flow? Now we've spoken a lot about dharma in terms of occupation or career or creating, but I wonder, can dharma be related to our health? Like could health issues that we are going through be part of dharma?
0: Absolutely, they may have been the obstacles that you needed to experience to be able to share them. So for myself of undergoing those health issues brought me to the journey of Ayurveda, brought me to Dharma and all of these tools that I'm today teaching. Had I not done that, I don't know where I would be today. So oftentimes our health, our physical bodies are actually giving us the exact symptoms of what is out of balance in our greater life. So this could take us into a very deep Ayurveda conversation, which is really what this science is all about. But for a quick tip of little symptoms you could look out for and how it's related to your dharma, if you're feeling really scattered, really kind of confused, your mind feels like it's racing all the time, like you just got too many tabs open, that's a sign that that air, that vata energy is out of balance. So bring it into the pitta, bring it into the action. If you're feeling really overheated, heartburn, rashes, just a bit of agitation, like things are just kind of pissing you off, that's a sign you have too much fire, too much pitta. So bring it into the kapha, the earth. If you're feeling really heavy, sluggish, tired, you wake up in the morning and no matter how much coffee you drink, you're still so tired, you're gaining a lot of weight. That's a sign that that kapha, the earth energy is out of balance. So bring it into to the vata. So it's beautiful because now we can look rather than trying to sugarcoat what's happening in our bodies or put a Band-Aid solution on it. What is my body telling me and how is it shifting me towards further alignment?
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. Now, is there a way, I'm curious about this. And the reason I ask is because recently I was speaking to a healer and the healer was pointing out that a health ailment I had came from past lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on this? Can past lives influence our health in this life. Does Ayurveda or Dharma philosophy speak about that?
0: Yeah. So again, this could get turned into a very deep conversation. So in Vedic spirituality, they do believe in past lives. You don't have to believe in past lives to benefit from Ayurvedic wisdom. So I'll just share if you are someone who's interested in this. So in the Vedas, they would say that your soul went through many, many lifetimes and each lifetime gave you different lessons that your soul needed to experience to further develop on its path. So let's say in a lifetime, you were a wounded soldier, right? Maybe you were like stabbed in the stomach or something very gruesome happened. So in that next lifetime or one of the lifetimes preceding that, you may feel like, I don't know what it is, but like, I just feel this real deep wound, this aching wound in my stomach. I've had it my whole life, but I don't know what it could be. You know, this is something that could be related to your past life or a fear. A lot of times our paranoia can be related to deaths in a previous lifetime. So many people are afraid of the ocean. Perhaps they drowned. Perhaps you're afraid of hyperbole there was some falling that happened. So the awareness of it is actually the only healing that we need towards it because it shows us that this did not happen in this lifetime. There's nothing for me to be afraid of. This is just some far elusive memory that I may have and to know that in this lifetime, I am safe.
1: I see. I see. Is there a practice to heal ourselves of anything we're experiencing now by healing whatever energy is coming from that past life?
0: Mm, yeah, so I like to do cord cutting meditation. So we are attached to all of our lifetimes, all of our connections, even everyone we communicate with on the internet through cords. So I like to, let's say you're seating for meditation, you're about to do something, to literally just imagine you have these scissors in your hands that are just cutting yourself from any energetic cord that still may be connecting you, even doing it on your body. And this is actually really good for breakups as well, because you might be still very connected to that person physically and you might. You feel like something energetically within me when I'm cutting this area, I'm feeling it. So practicing a cord cutting meditation, even just repeating out loud, my energy is sovereign. I am clearing and erasing all previous lifetimes that do not serve me. I claim my sovereignty. I claim that I am in my full power and my full expression. So even just that declaration can be a huge reminder for you to realize that this is your lifetime to shine. You are here on this planet to do your Dharma, to live a path of joy and service. And anything that happened in previous lifetimes, they were lessons for you to cultivate the strength that you need right now to flourish
1: beautiful i love that i love that thank you sahara so there's so much more we can go into and for those of you who are interested in going deeper down this path of understanding ayurveda and dharma definitely check out sahara's upcoming new book discover your dharma a vedic guide to finding your purpose it's available on kindle for 9.99 you can find it on amazon and it is sahara rose's latest book sahara how can we find you on instagram
0: yeah. So I'd love to connect with you. Please DM me, share with me any insights. I'm loving seeing your chats and all of the inspiration that's coming through. So my Instagram is at I am Sahara Rose. My dosha quiz is also on my website. I have a Dharma archetype quiz that's coming up to find your unique Dharma archetype. So all of that is on my website. I am Sahara Rose.com.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you all of you on mind Valley, all access for Turning up for this live recording for sharing your questions, your comments, you know, reading your comments just allows us to deliver so much more value because it's exciting to be able to actually see and interact with the audience. For those of you listening on a podcast or watching this on YouTube, if you're not yet a member of Mind Valley All Access, go check it out. Mindvalley.com forward slash now forward slash now. And you can read all about Mind Valley, All Access, all the teachings, the quest, the content that's unlocked for you, the community with our app that allows you to meet friends in your local city. It completely transforms your way of life and it is the best education money can buy. Go try it out for yourself. Mindvalley.com forward slash now. Thank you, Sahara. Thank you so much, audience. I will see you on our next recording.